must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Hey, hey, everybody, welcome in episode 34 of the podcast and the second of this two-part series on developmental special duties. And thanks for the subscribe stream or download however you might be listening in to the Air Force Starts Here. We're out there on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts, so no matter where you are, you can give us a listen. You can also catch us on the AETC website as well. I'm Dan Hawkins from the AETC Public Affairs team and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force, big A airmen, insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education worlds. And like I mentioned, we're piggybacking a bit today on episode 33, finishing our look into developmental special duties, specifically at the 37th training wing at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland. Of course, home to Air Force basic military training, as well as a wide range of other technical training and even an international aspect with the IAFA Academy being right there at Lackland as well as DLI. So lots of different aspects to the 37 training wing, which of course is why they need military training leaders, which is what we're going to talk about today. Our last episode focused on the military training instructors And so for today, we turn our attention to the MTLs who play a key role in renewing our air and space forces and the critical, of course, to our ability to defend the nation as we generate our new airmen. Of course, the Gateway Wing uh, got a new commander we mentioned on the last podcast. Colonel Rocky Wilson took command a few weeks ago, and he uses the word train as the wing's mantra, which stands for trust our resilient airmen to innovate and nurture And of course, the Warhawks train to win. And so valuing force generation being such a hot priority right now as we look to enhance our lethality and readiness here in AATC and from General Webb on down to Chief Thompson and everyone in our leadership positions, ensuring the men and women who are recruiting, training and educating our exceptional airmen and and making sure that they feel valued and that this assignment in a role such as military training leader or military training instructor is uh, valued in one's career is very high on the priority list. And so to dive deeper into what being an MTL is like at the 37th training wing and for the second consecutive episode, I might add, we have a super sub on the interview. Chief Master Sergeant Stephen Blazer, the command chief for the Gateway Wing, sat down with some of his MTLs to talk about their experiences in this critical DSD assignment. And uh, to recap again, the DSD assignments, uh, which are for staff, technical, and master sergeants, uh, to give them a, an opportunity to develop through service and roles outside of their core Air Force specialty for up to three to four years. Um, and it, it's such a wonderful opportunity to grow and meet people from different AFSCs and and to really have such an impact on these airmen who are coming in um, just like sponges soaking up knowledge about the Air Force in their first venture into our Air Force family. And 
to ensure that we get the highest quality airmen uh, to serve in these roles. The DSD process requires a nomination um, where commanders go through their respective MAGCOMs uh, to nominate their best airmen to fill in these critical positions while providing those airmen uh, a developmental career path. And so Chief Blazer will talk with his MTLs about how they learned about the importance of the role of being an MTL, um, not only for them, but for their airmen as well, as well as how the DSD assignment as an MTL has directly resulted in their leadership growth, um, the lessons that they've learned from a mentorship perspective along the way, and much, much more. So let's go direct to our military training leader, Professionals, episode 34 of the Air Force Starts Here, launches right now. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Chief Blazer here, 37 Training Wing Command Chief, and I have with me a, a group that I'm just super excited for them to kind of share their experiences, share their stories, and that is some of our Warhawk uh, military training leaders, our MTLs. Um, our Blue Ropes, I mean, that's what I but I will tell you, these are just amazing, amazing NCOs. And what I want to be able to do is for those who maybe are, are outside of that in different communities across the Air Force, and you maybe thought about becoming an MTL or thought about submitting yourself for a developmental duty, I want you to hear directly from people who are doing it. Um, so we have a group today. I'm going to ask you if you could just please introduce yourself, the squadron you're in, so let everybody know kind of what the technical training school that is, uh, what your hometown is, um, and then uh, favorite food. Staff Sergeant Matthew Dahm, uh, 37 Training Group, uh, grew up in Grace, Florida. Uh, Texas, I'm gonna go say uh, barbecue. Barbecue. And, and what, what school are you with? Uh, 37 training group. 37 training group. What what school oh, specifically? Oh, you're at the group now, right? Correct. But you were with uh, Security Forces for a while. I was for two years. Okay. Three, part, three, part of Hula Nation. Okay. Sergeant Horton. I'm Technical Sergeant Nathan Horton. I'm at the 37th uh, Training Support Squadron. I work at the Airman Transition Assistance, and I've also been an MTL at the 343rd Security Forces Training Squadron. I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and my Okay, and for both of you, real quick, what are your previous professions? I was aircraft maintenance. Aircraft maintenance? Uh, security forces. Security forces. I am uh, Staff Sergeant Dustin Pavlenko from the 340RS. Uh, we're a school of 13 different AFSCs for everything from contracting to special mission aviation. I was originally from Gillette, Wyoming, a uh, small town of 30,000 compared to the rest of the world. Um, I, uh, food is pork tenderloin. Pork tenderloin. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Ma'am. I am Staff Sergeant Erica Beavers. I am from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I am currently at the 737th Training Support Squadron in BMT as a holdover MTL. Um, my favorite food would have to be lasagna. Lasagna, okay. People may not realize that we have military training leaders in BMT, so we can probably talk about that a little bit more, right? Um, yes, sir. But uh, lasagna. Lasagna. Lasagna, like, like, uh, like white sauce, r red sauce, what kind? Red sauce. Red sauce, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Hello, Sergeant Takia Christensen. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I currently work as a MTL at the 343rd Training Squadron with Security Forces, and my favorite food is meatloaf. Meatloaf. Oh, man. I'm hungry now. I'm talking to y'all. <laughs> okay. I'm hungry to hear, actually, uh, hear some more of your stories. So what, what I want to talk about is is there's people out there. What, what, what was did you even get here, right? So how did you even become training leaders? Was it, did somebody have a conversation with you? Were you just anxious to do it? Um, how did you how did you go from from where you were in your prior jobs to actually getting here today? Uh, I actually got an uh, email while I was on leave. Um, 
doing tours of uh, uh, schools, colleges, and uh, came back from leave with an email saying I was affected with PTSD. Um, and that's when I read the decision point, uh, am I going to stay in the Air Force, get a PTSD um, job as an MTO, or continue on with the education? So you were thinking about getting out? I was. Okay. Yes. So I, I kind of came in that window where I had to choose real um, Pretty much I think I had about 30 days to decide if I wanted to become an MTO or set up Um, I actually did have a talk with my superintendent, Aircraft Maintenance Squadron, and uh, guided me, you know, the positives and negatives, um, how it's going to better my future, um, what am I going to do with that uh, I get out. So pretty much had a long conversation with him. He was a prior recruiter and uh, MTL at Keesler, so he kind of gave me the in and outs and everything, and I kind of made my decision from there. Wow, yeah. it's. I think, you know, a lot of operators, these people are they don't want to they don't want to leave the team right and then maintenance I mean, that's one of those kind of very very tribal a lot of pride was it tough for you to leave uh it was um and it was actually pretty tough being here because day in day out i was on aircraft every day and now i'm dealing with students and uh not just a couple students but i'm talking you know we have 1400 in the squadron that's say that again how many 1400 1400 i don't know if people realize like that's 1400 students i mean it's you should see they're like a sea of airmen um, that we have, the ratio is about anywhere from 1 to 60 to almost 1 to 100, depending on uh, um, what school it's in, as far as uh, MTL to student ratio. So you're saying? Uh, and whenever I got there, we were on uh, flights of maybe two teams. I was pushing two whenever I got there after about a month or two, where we have a team of 100 airmen per team, and they're spaced out between training. And you have to each individual airman and their requirements to PCS and what they need. Staff are doing this, yeah, yeah. But you weren't used to that. Was not. Was not. It was a uh, uh, eye-opening experience. Yeah. Still is. Yeah, and I, I think you know developmentally, I just want everybody to kind of pause and think about that, right? As far as this experience, and I want I want you to kind of expand on on your um, your experience as NCOs and as that's been on you. But I mean, think about that in terms of leadership experience. I mean, you have to be able to be around people in different situations and different challenges to be experience but I, I've met mass sergeants who, who had never supervised anybody before and and these uh, men and women around me right now have to be able to look you know very very young airmen in the eye and I say young in their experience maybe not young in their age and be able to be there for them and connect with them and I think it's it's truly truly magical and it's just it takes a skill that you have to cultivate so anybody else from you get here today what's your story uh, so my experience was similar to Sergeant Dom's. Um, I actually had my eye on an ALS position. Mm. I was shadowing the, the instructors there, had interviewed with a commandant, and then went back to my office and checked my email, and surprise, never mind, MTL. Not what you were thinking. <laughs> right. Um, so that's kind of how I found out. And then um, someone who worked across the hall, she was actually an MTL as well at Keesler, and she kind of sat me down and showed me the ropes and kind of gave me that mentorship and advice on how to be successful as an MTL. How, how, how crucial was that for her to be able to pivot you to say, hey, listen, I, I've been there before. Let me put you at ease on this. And they, those same skills you wanted to kind of exercise, you could still make a difference to people. How important was that? Absolutely. Very important. I definitely think, you know, she set me up for success by telling me what to expect. You know, she let me know that it's going to be completely different. And yeah. she was absolutely right, yeah. especially coming from a medical career field to security forces, completely different, you know, careers. Right. Um, so having that that opportunity to sit down with her was definitely important. Okay. 
What's her name? Sergeant. Well, she's actually Lieutenant now, Lieutenant Valdez. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Lieutenant Valdez. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Um, my choice was actually a two-minute phone call I got. I was about to leave my section for a good do a couple work orders, CE by trade. Um, the phone call was literally my chief being, hey, uh, you're, you leaving uh, Kunsan lines up perfectly with the DSD slot. You willing to go? So I was going off a bit of a mentorship I received from an old supervisor of mine who, funny enough, is also an officer lieutenant in the Army. Um, the best way to make rank in my career field, which is pest management, is to get out of the career field and take the dive because the best way to get recognition in a career field that is probably the third smallest in the Air Force, 200 people at most currently, the only way to get that recognition is to do something else. And that's a good bit of advice I've lived by. I've done everything contracts, service contracts, ran base pride at Joyce Base Andrews during the presidential inauguration. And now I'm back here at Lackland dealing with 344 where we're dealing, we see airmen at the 344th. They'll be here for two weeks. They're pipelines. They'll start uh, two weeks at 344 and then they'll be gone off to Randolph, Presidio Monterey, Goodfellow. So we see a rotation. For example, our brother squadron 343 will have airmen for three months. We have airmen for two weeks. Our rotation is we put out more airmen a year compared to 343. So that face time, that first interaction is just fleeting. So we have to, short amount of time, we try and do the biggest amount of impact we could possibly do. Yeah, everybody kind of understands too, even though that might be a little jab at the 43. But, but, that, but that's fine. We'll oh, let that no, I'm just jab. kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but my point in that is, is both of them. You know, the key is, is, is it's kind of silly sometimes we compare missions, but being relevant to the mission you have. And both of you just taking the time to kind of realize, like, to understand the dynamics of your mission. Like, you talk about teams, and, and that takes that's a learning curve in itself. People realize there's 100 person on each team. And we got, like, 13, 13 courses going through at a time at the, at the Defenders Academy, right, to, to build security forces airmen. You know, and your point about the very tech schools they have in the 4-4. So any given moment, you could look at and you could have somebody who's maybe there for a couple months or a couple weeks and you got to be able to very, very quickly, because any one of them could have an issue that you need to kind of be aware of. And you got to build a relationship with them, and I think that's key. One thing I want to add on super up is sometimes I think at the NCO level, you know, there there is a they don't they don't they haven't yet been introduced to the idea of breath, right? So we get into technical depth a lot. We talk about that, but breath. You guys know what that means? So having experience. What does that mean? With a variety. Just a wide array. Yeah. Right. Now, now we've heard the kind of we've heard the explanation jack of all trades, right? Master of none, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when I have somebody who's talented, I got to continue challenging them. And then especially what what I start to see. So so when I was a technical sergeant, if somebody told me that I did it did did something wrong, how do you think I would react when I was a technical sergeant? They're like, "Hey, Sergeant Blazer, you messed that up. You messed that up. How do you think I would react to it?" Defensive. Very defensive. That's exactly right. You, so you can read me very well. See how, see how fast you can read people? I, I got super about it, right? Because I, I considered myself master of, of, of my craft. I was like, hey, nobody can, can check me on this. Um, as a chief, if somebody says, hey, Chief Blazer, you did that wrong, what do you think I say now? How? How, right? How? It's changed. It's 100% changed because I, I, have, I have many different responsibilities now, right? There's, and I, what's, what's important is to understand that there's some career you realize you're going to have a breadth of responsibility that's so much larger. So what I need to be able to do when I'm developing you to be an NCO, to be a senior NCO one day, is introduce you to those different experiences and allow you to realize that I don't want you to be, you know, you've heard the kind of the, the analogy of one trick pony. I need you to be able to do excel in different environments and not just to prove it to the Air Force, but to prove it to yourself. 
right? To prove it to yourself. And that's what I hear when I hear you talk about that. It's like, I want, I'm, I want to be challenged for more, right? Uh, in my time, how long have you been? I've been, this will be, this September will be nine years. Yeah, but I hear that kind of thirst to say, hey, listen, I want, I want to do things. I want to do things that are meaningful and impactful. But I just want to encourage you all. Is it, it, it's, it's so important to be able to kind of get out there and challenge yourself. And I know for a fact this job is doing that. So holdover, Airman. You want to talk about that a little bit? MTLs and BMT. MTLs and BMT, yes, sir. Um, we do basically everything that the MTIs do mm-hmm. of getting them in process, out process, running their PT, doing their living area inspections. We do it from time from the time they leave to make sure that they're either going to tech school or they're being ELS to go home. Um, and it's very different being in BMT as MTL. Now, you were in MTL somewhere else? I was at the 343rd. You were, okay. Yes, sir. Um, being a 343rd MTL and being a 737 Trist MTL is completely different. Being for the 343rd, you're hands-on, you're, you're deep into it all. As to where being at the 737, you're in it, but you have to scale back to some degree because you're not in that tech training environment anymore. Right, because they're still in basic military training, right? Yes. And I know we, were t- we talked about this last week a little bit, is that, and just for those who are listening in, holdover airmen or airmen who are basically out of training in BMT who, for some reason, right? It could be administrative, it could be disciplinary, um, it could be medical, right? review going on but a pause we have up to maybe a couple weeks to many many months at a time right yes. and, and some of them because they're injuring themselves so we have a responsibility to get them back to health and you maybe are with that person for for a period of time but, but i think it's kind of a great example too is is every airman you have there that's in holdover right has a specific issue yes sir what how is that different from your time also when you were in tech training so right now our longest airman that's been there is close to pushing 200 days Um, and right now there's a few airmen that's being put up for exception of policies to see if they'll be able to be retained in the airport. Right, we're trying to fight to keep them in, right? Yes, sir. And then there are some where they're like, no, you're going home because of whatever your medical situation is, you're disqualified from being in the service. How much much do you have a voice in that as far as a recommendation? You can kind of see the ones that are still fighting right to stay in it right as for myself as an mtl there's not much of a recommendation okay. we can say hey this is what we recommend but it'll, it's mainly up to the squadron leadership the squadron leadership and once it gets pushed up to the general to see mm-hmm. based off their their medical history and their requirements or right, if they right. want to stay in so you, you don't necessarily get in the, in the higher up aspects but the day-to-day care of that person you're there side by side with them yeah yes sir yeah and, and here's what I, th- I think it's kind of how i think of so you, you all are familiar with first sergeants right first sergeant program i actually think mtls are like first sergeants of ncos <laughs> like at the nco level you all are first sergeants you, well, how do you think of that comparison do you think you feel like a first sergeant on some days yes as far as stuff I've written the most paperwork I've ever written yeah. in my whole career. <laughs> um, but aside from that, you know, 
the airmen are coming to us with their personal problems, right. um, whether that be you know death of a family member, suicide ideation, issues with pay. Um, they're kind of coming to us as that subject matter expert to kind of help them navigate through those challenges they're experiencing. And those are the same issues that I, if I was having, I would go to my first shirt about. I can definitely understand why you would say that. Yeah, I mean, because everybody who's coming to your door, I mean, they're either looking phase up, right? They're, right. They got something going on. <laughs> um, but there's there's a need attached to that, right? Correct. Um, and how much, have you, how much do you think you've kind of picked up on nonverbals and all those other kind of, or hey, that airman's animal, is that say that you've grown in that capacity here um do you think you'll be more likely to pick up pick that up when you when you depart i i i think so um from my perspective um you know with all the airmen that we that we are around you get to know them and you can pick up when they're not acting like themselves hey what's going on nothing nothing sergeant no something's wrong i can tell and then they here come the waterworks right because you have that relationship you have that connection with them questions one sometime absolutely yeah yeah so how do you how do you all think this has made you better leaders or better ncos there is on some aspects there's my career 200 200 across the board you we it's hard to have you my interaction with Aaron is more one-on-one -on -one in this career field but in this career field i have that breadth of problems issues that found solutions to things i never Find. I've had airmen, everything from an airman who had issues with security because they couldn't validate his home address because it was a village in Africa that was wiped off the map by child soldiers mm -hmm. to an airman that was in just a simple suburbs who was afraid to go to Japan. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a be interacting with those different sets, engaging, trying to help them see them through, or even just to get them to leave your door with a smile on their face is a challenge in itself sometimes. Even if you can't give them a solution, if you can give them the next step, and that's really what I found myself doing more and more. If I don't know the solution, where do we go for the next step? And honestly, most airmen, if they just can see the next step they can take, they'll find their own path. It's just to give them that step. Yeah. So, Man, you summed it up. That, that's what I'm talking, that is 100% what being an NCO is all about right there. To be able to, be able to, to detect what's going on, to be able to see, and also be able to provide a path. Because you ain't trying to do everything for somebody, right? Like, it, it, it is their life, their career, but you've got to illuminate a path that has hope attached to it, right? And, often, I, I, and you even talked about it, is be able to get them, hey, hey, I see your head down, let me help you get your eyes up a little bit. Let's get you back on path. What about you? What do you think? I think the, um, being an MTL has improved, like, the, the human capital piece that's not... It's, it's there in the Air Force, but here the person is the mission, and we're trying to build somebody that's going to go out and do the operational side of it, and we're hoping to send the, the best airmen that we can, and that comes with a lot of the connective tissue of like getting them mentally prepared for what the environment they're in, because we just got released from BMT. Um, we kind of relax certain areas for their, their um, um, privileges and freedoms as far as a, a tech training. It's different from being a trainee in BMT. And kind of showing them that like they're growing in the Air Force and what you know what they're capable of doing, capable of dealing with when they do have a, a point in their life when life hits them in the face. This might be the first time that they're home. BMT might have actually like they might have just now realized they went through BMT. They might have just now realized that they they haven't been home in six months, or they're waiting on orders to leave and to try and teach them those 
moments of um, perseverance and telling them like there is another step forward, there is something that they can do um, to keep the game and, and to just keep them motivated. That's a big part of being an MTL um, because you have airmen who you know have waited for orders for several months, and you're trying your hardest to get them something that they know is their that's their next step, and, and you're working really hard to get them there. Just to watch them persevere through that, and knowing that they're going to be able to handle anything on a deployment or anything else after that, um, the human capital piece is such a big, big part of our mission. That's good stuff. So families, y'all got families too, right? Yes. Some of you do, right? Some of you are like. Uh, so we talked about you had a, a baby recently, if I'm mistaken. Is that true? Yes, eight months ago, and I have a two-year-old as well. And two-year-old as well. Okay. Uh, how many of you also have, have kids? I do. I have a two-year-old, and I have one on the way. One on the way. All right. <laughs> what about? I'm a mill to mill. I, um, my wife's an aircrew training instructor, and I have one. Uh, I have a son. No kids. She's a four-year-old hyper dog. Hyper dog. That counts. <laughs> it counts, I think. Uh, funny enough, a uh, relationship for six years. Bring it, laughing her. Um, <laughs> weirdly enough, backstory real quick. I met her in a situation very similar to this. She was public affairs. She came to interview me in my original field. So this is. She threatened me if I uh, met on an interview. Yes. Okay. So right. she likes to say it. She posts on job. Um, okay. <laughs> but um, no, I I've been together with her for six years now, and two hyper dogs as well. Funny enough, Star and Dom and I went through MTLS, both boxer breeds. Oh. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. So so let's talk about like is it doing this job, and then also about family stuff. Big deep mind. breath on that one. <laughs> on that one. Um, whenever I started pushing my first team here, which was about a month on ground after a little bit of training, uh, first couple weeks were pretty rough. Uh, you know, 0 4 30, not leaving until 2100 some days. Um, going from PT, learning your learning your team, getting them off the training, getting everything done during the middle of the day. Uh, my first team, uh, I had 102 with 58 seats. So that's a big uh, transition, trying to keep them here in training and just a bunch of uh, airmen that Trying to focus on them before focusing on myself. I think that's what it was for the first six, eight, eight months here. But uh, once I pretty much learned my job, I started school, um, started doing my job, slowing down on work to where I can time, take on time management, stress management a lot better, and kind of work in working with other MTLs to figure out how to uh, improve on squadron. But uh, that's pretty much whenever it started from getting better for me. just found out I was pregnant with my two-year-old so it seemed like for me I still had a lot of time on my hands my husband here quite yet um, and then once I had my child it was how am I supposed to balance taking care of my child and and work as well so it, it became difficult but the leadership helped me and made it work yeah, I, I try to tell people, you know, I think that's the, you know, you hear the term balance a lot. And I think like in our business, you know, I, I kind of describe it as, as an airman, you, you serve multiple families, right? You have your family at home, 
and you got your Air Force family, but you only got one heart, right? And you only got one you, and you try to kind of divide that capacity as much as you can. And it, and it is, I love how you said, but my, but my team had me, right? Like my, that's, that's where I think we just got to continue to realize is that, you know, there is somebody usually that say, hey, can I help you with that? You know, sometimes we can get too prideful in, in sharing some of that um, burden, but um, I, I think is, is that you more and more is, is, you know, we leave for a reason. Um, and if we're not careful in balancing those those kind of um, things, we, we got to be careful because we're going to hand this uniform off to someone else someday. We're going to hand the position we have off to someone else. But our roles we have family, you don't want to turn it off. Like that's got to be permanent. Um, but I realize, especially in the business that you do, that's it's a challenge. It's a big time challenge. I appreciate that even at the peer level as NCOs, you just share, hey, how do you figure that out? How do you, how do, you do that? You know. What about you, ma'am? Chief, for me, it was very hard. Yeah. Um, coming from medical field and my husband working a regular 7.30 to 4.30, he was used to that schedule for me. So coming here, working 1,300 to 2,200, I hardly saw him. Huh. Um, I hardly saw my son. So it was a real struggle for me. It was a real strain on my relationship. Um, but I think once we just kind of communicated a little bit better, um, like Sergeant Deaver said, talking about leadership, relying heavily on my team members, um, we were able to, to overcome some of those obstacles we were experiencing. Was that hard to do in itself, to share that? It was. Yeah. It really was. Um, I like to think I'm a little private, especially with my personal life. Um, so I did have to be transparent, um, realizing that the students can detect when something's not right with you. Just like mm -hmm. we can tell when they're not right, they can pick up that up. Were they asking you, hey, are you okay? <laughs> no, they weren't. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> But I, you know, they talk, you know, and, and sometimes I have to try my, to let my frustration out on them, I you see. know. Um, but definitely communicating with my teammates, communicating with my, communicating with my husband, we were able to, to overcome those obstacles. And things change, you know, my schedule now is a lot more flexible. Um, I'm working nine to, to 1800, so I do have that time back. I think, you know, the common thing I hear is, you know, there's kind of, there's periods of stress, right? Where you're, you're kind of, it forces you to challenge yourself. Like, okay, this is where I need to be and I need to, I need to adjust, right? Either I'm going to communicate, I'm going to share with my teammate what's going on. But there's a, you, you start to figure it out. And I think it's just so important is to not just stay in that position. Right. To realize, like, I got to, I got to adjust. I got to adapt to what's going on around me. I'm in a new job. I got a new schedule. Even as kids get older, I'll tell you, you might have teens in here yet. Wait till you get teenagers. Like it is a completely different kind of tactical mindset as a parent. Um, but I think it's just really important that understand like communication is so huge and just and, and then and then being willing to adjust as an individual as a leader too, right? Whether that's at home or work. Right. Okay. All right. So moment as an MTL. Uh, I think I can start. I think a uh, favorite moment as an MTL is it's your first team when you see them all leave. Um, some of them will thank you, some of them won't. Um, but I think the pride from going from all the way to dot 65, 13 weeks later, when they leave, is probably the best part. Um, not because they're out of your, your hair, but they're actually trained defenders. They're out there, they're going to their new main station. Spread their wings, huh? Yeah, taking, taking the influence from tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and that badge and beret, it's yep. a big deal. Definitely. Anybody else? For me personally, my best experience as an MTL is seeing an airman in particular graduate, an airman that just 
can't get their stuff together. Mm. You know, you you're hopeful, but you know they're getting in trouble all the time. You know, they spent time on the tango fight, the disciplinary fight. They're all you're always hearing their name in emails or oh, Airman so and so again, and them finally graduating. And and after your mentorship sessions, and you're like, you just feel so prideful that wow, they actually listened, they actually did it, they actually earned that that badge and beret. So I think that definitely um, was very impactful for me and my best moment as an MTO is seeing her come up to me, Sergeant, I did it. I cried, actually. <laughs> I'm a awesome. big baby. Awesome. But I cried because I was just so... You like it, though, huh? I did, actually. Oh, you did? I okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was so proud of you. <laughs> but I, I was just You're about so... to cry right now. thinking about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was I was really really excited for her because I honestly I didn't think she was gonna make it. You know, yeah. she was just a troubled airman and she pushed through. She stayed focused. She stayed motivated, and um, she did. That's awesome. She did it. Anybody else favorite moment as an MTO? I got I got something. I think um, for me when I got to tech training, I got to hear a lot of you never get to see ones after you push these airmen out um, and get them on their way. So. To try to do the best you can while you have them in your, um, you know, purview. But I think the thing that I appreciate the most was after I pushed my first couple teams, I actually physically getting airmen uh, emails, excuse me, from some of my former um, troops because they were now staff sergeants and they were supervising the airmen that I had just pushed through forces training. They somehow during a conversation, we were talking about the fact that I was there. In at the 343rd as a defender and that they appreciated the time and the insight that I was able to give them and to see that other side when you you look at, around the spectrum and you find out that this one is from Japan and this one is in um, not but in Germany and this is in uh, Mildenhall and this one is somewhere else it was like probably one of the best uh, couple days of my life to receive those emails and have somebody actually say thank you for what you've done for this airman they're um, what we would what we need in the fight right now and that was one of the biggest days for me it was like that feeling is just there's there's no way to compare that. Yeah. 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 It's funny. So I I put together a Facebook post this past weekend and I talk pretty much about that exact same thing, right? Of, of and I know people are stressing right now with the master arm release coming out. And 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 a lot of times as airmen we kind of look at that as the validation of hard work, right? But one thing I would tell you that, that for me as a chief, every every time that that you move up, I think sometimes young you think of those positions as being value right so as you move up the you know the rank structure it's that person is more valuable but you know as much as I do all it is is different responsibilities it's not value right and really it is is each one of you has this very very unique opportunity to to make an impact on a life every day and that's what's key is what you do with the opportunities you're given to do just that and I, I tell you I had this little I had this little like um, folder in my Outlook box where when people send me emails and say, hey, hey, that, that conversation you had with me or that, that time we spent together, that made a difference. And anytime like, I start losing hope, like, man, are we there? Like, am I struggling? I'll just look at that or I'll check in with those individuals and how you're doing. And there ain't nothing that, like, there ain't nothing that's more significant than that, than knowing that there's somebody out there that you, you helped in some way. Um, so I went in a big way. And, 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 and Sergeant Christian, I had to also say, too, your point of most people don't realize that. I think is is my favorite students are the ones who are the ADC award recipients, the top graduates. They were just refused to give up. That struggled. They washed back a few times. That's the one 
like that that and and there was one in particular like she ended up going on and winning btz but i had to tell her like listen it's okay to fail i just can't have you give up like stop being your worst critic and and i just love that like you were rooting for her so hard that even brought you to tears when she finally graduated you know what i'm saying like that's what it's all about that is what it's all about you know what i mean just let people like hey listen it's okay right i just need you to learn i need you to like like life is about constant evolution and failure right. just don't give up right um you're tearing up right now you're getting me going you're getting me going you know what i mean yeah get me going but but i i just think that the such great lessons and i hope that listeners can realize like that's what these 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 responsibilities are all to give people access to these moments um because we need them in our force like we need leaders and ncos at the right levels like being eyeball to eyeball with airmen early on to be able to see a caring and professional CEO, to know what that looks like, to model that, and to know that, hey, like, we're going to have your back. And I can't wait till you all get out there and get, get out back operational, because, um, man, our, our, our teams, our, our, our missions are going to be better. So anything you want to kind of share with somebody who's thinking about becoming an MTL? Any parting shots? Um, I would say uh, just keep in mind you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, and as an MTL, especially as a 343rd, you know, like Sergeant Don was saying, 1,400 airmen at a time. Um, it's easy to, to just get caught up in taking care of everybody else, trying to make time for your family. You know, you lose sight of, of yourself, and it, it's hard to, to kind of invest and help yourself to professionally develop. But you can't pour from the tub. You can't, you can't mentor that airman if, if you're struggling internally. So definitely, you know, don't get too caught up in the job where you lose sight of important which should be yourself and your family yeah, yeah. and i think that's just great advice where you're at whether Absolutely. i mean no matter what mission you're part of anybody else i could definitely say something um i could definitely say dsd in its way works the mtls ncos i work with are some of the highest speed most self-sufficient people i've ever seen it's when i first came into the job as i was looking left and right it looked like everybody sprinting and it slowed down eventually i caught up and having two more individuals that i co-workers at 344 that also came from a CE background, their first line, are, man, does it ever stop? It doesn't. And they've caught speed going, and we are going, and it's impressive. I can't never, I can't ever say I've worked with a great team like this. I've been on rapid airfield damage repair. I've been on storm removal. I've seen so many different aspects through some engineering background. But these are some of the greatest NCOs I've ever been with, and probably will Hopefully I will serve with great too in the future, but I can't imagine anybody else topping these NCOs. Anybody else? I would say that if you're going to be a military training leader, um, if it's something that you, you look at as far as the leadership capacity, that you're, you might not get this in any other DSD minus maybe being an, uh, an MTI, because you're capable of leading airmen the way that you really saw yourself or what was taught in ALS or as uh, other courses in the Air Force, but you're actually doing all that putting into practice, and it's going to be really to see what you're made of on your worst day, because some of the things that we deal with are hard, but it's also going to teach you what you were capable of doing on your worst day when you um, could get up and go to work and actually take care of people and take care of whatever you needed to at the same time, and shows you what what level of perseverance as a being you're capable of doing and leading troops, because that's that's the biggest part of being an MTL is it's everything about it is the person, because if we're if we don't have people in the Air Force, we don't, we don't have a mission. I like, get back to the, 
the heart of it all is if you if taking care of the people, the aircraft, take care of everything, and that's the whole reason we're here. So I think that um, those MTL, it's not an easy job, but the satisfaction you get out of what you do is far none and any, anything I've done in the Air Force so far. So. Awesome. Yeah, I'd say uh, anyone that's looking to become an MTL or going to be an MTL, uh, take time for yourself so that you can take time uh, and take care of your airmen. Because um, it definitely is a tough job. Uh, it's not not easy. There's there's no job out there like it. Uh, even with PMC, um, it's, it's way different. Uh, we have airmen that you know can go off base or 21 can drink. Uh, pretty much get in trouble. Uh, had to teach people how to do laundry. You thought that would be filtered down through BMC, but everyone is different. Um, you get to learn how to talk to people differently. Um, one airman you might be able to yell at one. Anything on sure? Uh, I would say have some patience. Everyone has a different background, as Sergeant John was just saying, and their background is totally different from what you have, what you've grown from. There's people who you actually need to sit down and have that one-on-one -on -one conversations with instead of giving that demand of hey what you're doing they need that actual sit down one time so i said patience and just talking be able to speak to them yeah yeah i think you know the heart of all all your responses um and, and why i think that that an mtl is such a critical critical position is and you all nailed it right people people was the number one thing that that is your mission that you come to work every single day. And sometimes we actually hear in the Air Force, hey, are you a people, are you a people person or are you, are you mission first, right? People first, mission first. And I always think that that's all false because just as you said, right, there, there is no mission. Like watch what happens when nobody shows up to work and see if anything gets done. And, 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 and holistically, if you don't take time to actually make sure that person is over time, the mission will erode. Like there's a correlation. They are, they are one and the same thing. And the greatest advantage we have from a national, like, military perspective is our people. Across all the military services, we volunteer to be here. People come from America, and they might have joined for one reason, but they stay for another because you believe, like, hey, this is not easy work. It's meaningful work. It's purposeful work. And I think it's just so critical that every one of you, you realize that, like, the difference you can make, and you're pouring into that, and you are, you are advancing our, our most weapon system, and that's our people. That's our airmen. Um, so I just I thank you for the service that you give to our airmen. I know it's not easy days. I don't take any of that for granted. But I see the products. I see them getting better underneath your watch from day one to graduation. Um, I appreciate your hearts. I appreciate what you give, and I appreciate you being Warhawks. Um, thanks for taking the time today to share with uh, everybody else out there in the Air Force who's maybe thinking about this. Um, I hope you know when this is out there, um, you can at least take the time to thank these amazing NCOs uh, for what they give. Because uh, I certainly am uh, um, honored to serve with you. So, thanks, for your time, and uh, everybody, thank you. you take care. Such great insight from the Gateway Wing military training leaders who train to win every single day 
as we begin that process with new recruits of developing the airmen. We need thank you to Chief Blazer and his entire military training leader team as they talk about their experiences. And, you know, right now the DSD window, um, depending on what date you listen to this podcast, is open through August 24th. Um, so get with your chain of command. Uh, you can also go to AFPC's website for more information on developmental special duties. As a reminder, you can follow Air Education and Training Command and the AETC command team on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as catch up on all the latest news at www.aetc.af.mil. For our entire AETC public affairs team, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long. We'll talk to you next time on The Air Force Starts Here.